Hi, this is little Anthony here, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thanks for joining us for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 376 of the weekly show that will keep you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, TV and movie DVD releases, and, of course, our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this week, Little Anthony is going to be joining us. Of course, Little Anthony and the Imperials gave us Tears on My Pillow, Hurt So Bad, Shimmy Shimmy, Coco Bop, and a whole long list of other hits. And we're going to be talking about Little Anthony with Little Anthony. And it's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, we've had a couple of weeks where uh, things got a little messed up for me, so I wasn't able to put out an episode, but uh, about a week and a half here that we're missing. But we do have two episodes left of uh, this season of On Screen and Beyond, Season 8, and that's uh, this episode and one more, and then we get into September and we get into the new season of On Screen and Beyond, Season 9, and we've got a great guest coming your way for that, so I hope you're going to be sticking around as we move into our ninth season here at On Screen and Beyond. But right now, I get to tell you about DVDs that we're giving away. We've been doing a lot of that lately, and we hope to keep doing that more and more. But uh, the official ending of the DVD giveaway of The Life of Marilyn Monroe, The Royal Season 1 and Vendetta with Dean Cain, is uh, today at noontime. It's already gone by. But we are going to extend that. If you have put your name in for that, we are going to have a drawing for that, and you're going to get your chances for those. We get a little extra here. We're going to give uh, more people a chance by extending the contest to Friday, August 21st, 2015, in case you're listening here on the podcast later on, uh, at noontime on Friday. We will be ending the contest, and if you want to enter to win one of those three DVDs, or all of them. It's uh, You can enter for each one. Just send me an email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and you will be entered. And then we'll have a drawing, and we'll contact the winners, and uh, we will get the information of where we're going to send it to and all that sort of stuff. It's going to come right from the studios because they're the ones who are sending it out to you. But, so we are extending it because uh, I didn't get the episode out in time to uh, let uh, people hear about it. We did it on Facebook and things like that. So if you're one of our uh, people who like us on Facebook, then you've heard about this contest and you're ready for the ending. But we're going to extend it a little bit longer, give more people a chance to win. And uh, like I said, but we will still be giving away the ones that ended today to uh, some people. So that's... uh, just the way we're going to extend it a little bit. So, And if you want to get in on the next contest, just keep listening to On Screen and Beyond, and we'll have more. But right now, what do you say? Let's get into episode 376. Little Anthony's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, but let's get into Remake Madness. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, it looks like the Naked Gun remake with Ed Helms seems to have hit a snag, and it's not moving along as fast as some had hoped, but... 
They say it will be remade in some form. And we'll keep you informed as we hear more. And it looks like another remake of Nightmare on Elm Street is in the works. The last one was just five years ago. And Dungeons and Dragons is in the early stages of being remade. The last version was in 2000, in case you missed that one. And uh, that's probably why they're remaking it. But that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Peter Berg, director, will be directing the Mark Wahlberg-produced film Patriot's Day, based on the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing. And this is one of three announced films on that subject. Anna Kendrick, Ben Affleck, J.K. Simmons, and John Lithgow will all star in The Accountant. That comes your way in October of 2016. And speaking of Ben Affleck, you can look for him in 2017 as Batman in The Justice League Part 1. And in 2019, he will be in Justice League Part 2. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a ride down to Sequel City and find out what's coming your way as far as sequels, right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City movement is occurring on the third installment of Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. And one of the producers says they are working on a script right now. Bad Boys 3 will arrive on February 17, 2017 and Bad Boys 4 on July 3rd of 2019 with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. And Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising will arrive on May 20th of 2016 to wreck more havoc. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV on DVD. TV on DVD, October 20th, The History Channel's The Curse of Oak Island Season 2 will arrive on DVD. If you haven't seen that one, uh, it's it's very interesting. Very interesting one indeed. And Mad Men, The Final Season Part 2 and Mad Men, The Complete Collection will hit stores on October 13th. And on September 8th, a three-disc set of classic hee-haw episodes will make their way to DVD. And that's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? (laughs) Movies on DVD, November 3rd, Toy Story, That Time Forgot, will arrive on Blu-ray and Digital HD. Insidious Chapter 3 will hit stores on October 6th. And you can look for Spy with Melissa McCarthy to land in stores on September 29th. And that's it for movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond... It's TV and Entertainment Time! TV and Entertainment Time, Katie Segal says she would be up for a Married with Children revival on TV. That seems to be the thing now. They're trying to revive these shows once again. 
And other members of the cast all say they would be up for it also. So we'll keep you updated on that as more comes in. And The Strain has been renewed for a third season, and it has been confirmed. Prison Break is coming back to TV. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we sit down with a music legend. Little Anthony is going to be joining us. Tears on my pillow, hurts so bad, shimmy shimmy coco bop, all sorts of hits. He's going to talk about those and a whole lot more right here on On Screen and Beyond. Little Anthony's next. My next guest on On Screen and Beyond is a rock and roll Hall of Fame legend. He and his group have had many hits, including Shimmy Shimmy Coco Bop, Going Out of My Head, Hurt So Bad, and of course, Tears on My Pillow. A new book is out that tells the story of his life called Little Anthony, My Journey, My Destiny. It's Little Anthony. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hello. How you doing? Great. Anthony, it is such a privilege to have you on the show here. Your music has meant so much to so many people since, I mean, since Tears on My Pillow. <laughs> we, well, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> and that was 1958. Actually, I started in the business 60 years ago. My first paycheck, my first union dues was what after American Federation of the Labor Office had just started then. And um, that was, um, let me see, when was that? I was nine, how do I do this? I think it was 1955. Mm-hmm. I was 14 years old. Wow. So that's 60 years. And uh, if my math serves me right. Uh, you know, and you, if, if you ask me, when I was this kid, I was a kid at 14, that I would be this business, put uh, four kids through college, I would have told you crazy, <laughs> you know. Um, I didn't do it because I thought this was going to be a big, great career. I did it because that's what you did. Mm-hmm. If you could sing, uh, like today, the kids today are like rapping. Mm-hmm. If you can rap and do it well, well, something's going to happen. Yeah. And um, and that's what I did. I just I did have I did not have any idea how how people would perceive me as a singer. Or anything at 14 years old. I just like to sing. Wow. Which I was doing most of my life. Yeah. yeah. Now, was it true you started singing when you were in the cradle? Yep. Literally. Um, I was three years old. I think Sammy Davis beat me. <laughs> <laughs> he was about two years old. You know, coming up with his father and his uncles. But, um, you know, his uncle. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, my mom tells me at three years old, I was singing and singing pretty well for that age. You know, like she's a singer. She was a singer. She was a gospel singer. And, and, and my father was a musician. He was a tenor sax, alto sax band, big bands in those days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they kind of knew what music was about. And they, 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 obviously, I don't remember, but what I'm told that I sang all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They can remember. I started talking. I started singing. Wow! So they must have been an influence to you then. I mean, obviously you didn't probably know it, but I mean, uh, with with their singing and, and music talent, then I'm sure that uh, it sort of rubbed off on you. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you 
can hang out with your dad, take you all these different places in New York City while he plays. He's that maybe has to watch me or something. And I ended up in the Savoy, the famous Savoy, meeting a yes. lot of great big band guys. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Duke Ellington, um, I can barely remember, but I met him. Wow. And uh, and my mom, seeing gospel, I got to travel all over the different churches with her and her sisters. And 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 um and, and that's where I met the, the late Sam Cook when he was not known as Sam Cook, the secular singer. He was Sam Cook, the gospel singer, with a group called the Soul Stirrers. I met him when I was about ooh, gee, I was young, probably about thirteen, eleven, or something. He was about eighteen. He was young. Wow. I mean, of course, you were there for the beginnings of rock and roll. It, it's it's not like he had the stone age <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean with so much going on at that time the changing of music and everything else that was going on uh and of course you probably didn't even realize it you were just doing what you like to do right absolutely that's all it was as simple as that i didn't try to uh, uh, analyze first of all i didn't have the intellect to analyze you know mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm a little black kid out of brooklyn fort green charges that's out of the hood you know, I mean, I didn't have an ex-scope of what the world was all about. Right. I thought Jersey was another country, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, man. Yeah. And um, so I didn't look at it that way. But, I, but I, I saw the changes, but I didn't analyze it until later on in my career. Right, yeah. Now, when we see movies and TV shows of, of that time period, there were always... Uh, people standing on the street corner uh, singing doo-wop. Now, is that something that actually happened now, in your life? Let me correct that. Let me let me set the record straight. I do that a lot with interviews. There's no such thing as doo-wop. That was created by a man by the name of Gus Gossage, uh, a, um, <laughs> a, a uh, DJ in New York City in 1973. He was trying to explain that era. Okay. He had no idea how to explain it. And what he didn't realize was the black groups were singing were singing R and B, rhythm and blues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We were called street singers. Um, and the, the white groups like the Elegance, the Dupree's, and people like that were singing their style because they couldn't they couldn't do what we were doing R and B wise. Mm-hmm. So they created their own style. Well, obviously, a lot of them used a lot of um, a little the things that they heard us do. They tried to, to emulate it, but they couldn't, so it came out a certain way. Like, they would sing the songs, and the background would say, do wop do wop do wop do wop That's what Gus Gossage figured. That's, what he did was broad stroke mm-hmm. yep. everybody. Right. But you can't broad stroke do wop the flamingos. Mm-hmm. do wop the devils. Right. do wop the moonglows. I go on and on with this. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I'm going to set the record straight. And, and the reason why I can speak like this, because I was there. Right. <laughs> yeah. that, you, it cannot be defined of what uh, uh, kind of a, 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 a label that's put on something that people don't understand. But there is no such thing mm-hmm. as doo-wop. Yeah. 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 So were you actually on the street corners singing like that? Oh, the street corners, in the subways, in... In project hallways, because the, the, when we sang outside, we didn't have the the echo, obviously. But mm-hmm. we sure had the girls. <laughs> and they would come and you know listen to group singing. Yeah, and it drew a lot of young ladies. 
But we, we did a lot of our singing in, in the subways where there was a lot of echo. Right. The echo always your foot sound better. It just does. And and we would do it in the hallways of the um, project buildings. Some of those buildings were tall stories high and had these wells or staircases, emergency staircases, case of fire. And if you sing down there, you have this tremendous echo. In fact, Capitol Records, the early Capitol Records in New York City used a hallway to create echo. They actually used to have a, a sign that if you came into the building, a little red light would be blinking. Don't go in the hallway because they're, they're recording and using it for echo. Wow. Huh. That's, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Very interesting. Now, were you, were you ever singing in, in subways or, or hallways or anything like that where you weren't supposed to be and people told you, get out of here? <laughs> no, actually, that, I cannot remember anybody disliking kids singing. I mean, it was just, if you could do it good, you know? Yeah, in yeah. In the subways, it, you know, even today in New York City, um, you have these, they call subway singers or subway performers. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I like to think, the first ones that started that. And they actually live down there. I mean, I live down there, but they perform down there, and they get money. Right. They oh, yeah. Very good. You know? We didn't do that. We just wanted to sing because it sounded good down there. But we did draw crowds. Mm-hmm. So, no, I never had anybody that say, get out of here. <laughs> You're making too much noise, no? Yeah, yeah. So what was the, the trigger that went sent you from being a street singer to recording? What what? Initiated well, I mean, that. Everybody wanted to record, right? Because that's what you did. You know, if you can, there were other groups before me, and you hear them on the radio. Oh, goodness gracious! I just be heard on the radio too. You know, mm-hmm. so that was a driving motive towards most groups. Yeah, and other singers and other groups. I mean, I was like eleven years old when Sunny Teller the Orioles came out. Right. Yeah. I was about twelve or thirteen when the Flamingos came out. And they were huge, huge, big R&B stars. They weren't known well in the in white uh, society or record people because at that time was uh, pop music was very strong, the Four Aces, uh, Rosemary Clooney, that kind of thing. But right. we were doing this R&B stuff, and it had hundreds upon hundreds of R&B uh, radio stations all around the country. And they actually gave it a name. They call it race music because some of the white kids would always sneak and listen to the stuff we were doing because they dug it. Yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and that was the end of uh, of Georgia Gibbs and all them. And it began to change. You see, mm-hmm. and 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 that was the evolution that was getting changed in the music. But it really started with us kids. Really, it was all us. Yeah. Now, who are your inspirations uh, as far as singers? Many. Many, 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 many. That's like asking who's your favorite child. Right. <laughs> it's stuff. It was the elephant general. I was brought up with that because of my dad. Nat King Cole. Mm, yeah. Uh, um, who else? Nat King Cole, Frankie Lyman and Teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Lest of the Moongos. Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. The, the Flamingos. Um, Nate Nelson, Sammy Davis, Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. There's many people. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, the the people you have named are such fantastic singers, and it's just uh, thinking back about all, all the the hits that they had, and then of course you come along and and do the same thing. 
Yeah, you know, it, it, it's all, that's how you really develop your own style. Literally, you you always end up saying, trying to sound like those acts that you enjoy and you like to hear. You you, you don't even know subconsciously you're emulating them. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, and so, in, fact, in fact, Ray Charles said that. Ray Charles loved Nat Cole. So when he first started recording, he tried to sound like Nat Cole until the producer said, wait a minute, I heard you do something the other day, and that, that's, I think I like to record that, the way you're singing that, and that's the same thing with me. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're on American Bandstand. Was that sort of like a, a, a shock to be all of a sudden thrown on TV and everybody's seeing you now? No, because when I was young, I was in several little groups like everybody is, even today. Um, you, you, the standard that you wanted to reach was Big Clock or, you know, uh, that, that was the standard as far as television was concerned. Alan Freed was as far as radio was concerned. Right. So you wanted to be played on Alan Freed and you wanted to be seen on Dick Clark. Um, and uh, you wanted wanted that because you saw other groups and other people, you know, actually doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you you wanted to do that. And really, that's that's what inspired us. And I looked up and I said, well, man, I'm sure I could be on that show. And I had a little group uh, it was called the DuPonts. We were out of West High School in Brooklyn. And an interesting singing group because there were so many different com- compartments and components of the group. Uh, we had a lot, a lot of famous singers that became famous singers that actually wanted to sing with us. Really? Out of Cavens, one of them. And um, everybody wanted to sing with us, <laughs> you know. And, and we just, the DuPonts, we were able to make a record called, it was called You, and it was this independent company called Winley Records. The president of that record company was Paul Winley. And he gave us a shot. He gave us a contract, and we recorded a song called You, and it was a local hit. Maybe Tri-State, you know? Connecticut, mm-hmm. yeah. Jersey, New York area, Long Island. And we were, like, considered big stars in our neighborhood. I'm sure, yeah. So, yeah. Now, the book, Little Anthony, My Journey, My Destiny, they must have spent a lot of time talking to you to get all that information, correct? Yeah, it was, it's just my memoirs. Mm-hmm. And I, I was told by the writer, Miss Arlene Krieger, mm-hmm. she was amazed that I would remember such, remember such detail. Yeah. And, and I was told I had a gift that's called Total Recall. Oh, you know, wow. I can't. I can't find my shoes sometimes or wear my glasses <laughs> on, but I can remember very intimate things. Yeah, by detail in my life. So I was able to sit with her for over seven months. I just told her stories. Mm-hmm. Of what I, how I, began to began the business. How my mother told me I was a child. How I met so many wonderful people as a kid, and and also some bad people, good mm-hmm. and bad. It's, um. It, it, it is. It is. It, it's. It's a book. That I try to be honest as I could be there, and I, I never was a. You know, people see you and they think, "Oh, you, you a great kid." No, no. I was. Um, I was very rebellious, hmm. and so I lived sort of a riotous life as a young man. So I try to. I try to put all that stuff in the book. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, the people should get that this because it's a it's an amazing book that that really gets into your life and uh, it's it's you know one of those things that we we get a behind the scenes look at a uh, at a, a music legend. Yeah, I didn't want to write a book. I call it me book. It was basically not about me. I just had to write an anthology. How I began well with like certain stages, and but it was the wonderful people that I met. And there were some bad ones, too. I'm sure. In my life. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I wrote in there. I was in Jamaica with the Imperials. That was 1960. I can't remember. 70? Around somewhere. And um, how I remember being in Jamaica and meeting this kid. His name was Bob Bolly. Mm. Introduced to him by his manager, Don Taylor, who became our manager, by the way. And he asked one day, hey, you know, the kid's going to be singing, recording one of his first uh, recording things. Would you like to come see it? And we said, okay, me, Kenny Seymour, class, went over to the studio, Island Records, I believe it was. It was very hot. And uh, and I remember going in there and then seeing the three girls. One was the leader. One was, became his wife. And then there was, and there was uh, you know, uh, his band, the Whalers. And I didn't know what to expect. I was just sitting there listening. And all of a sudden, they were going over this tune, and then they recorded it, took a couple of takes, and I was blown out by that song. That song was called No Woman, No Cry. Yes, classic, yeah. Now, did you ever sing with him? Not yeah. not necessarily on a record, but, you know, just to jam with him? No, I didn't with him about him. I mean, with him, you know, with a duet. But I was opening for him. Oh, that was about seventy-seven. Well, that's when we, I used to open for his, his shows. And at that time, I was a solo act. I was by myself. Yeah, like you said, you uh, had a solo career, and you were, of course, with your with your group and everything. And um, when bouncing back and forth like that, was there a reason why you were leaving to go to uh, be a, do a solo? Was it just something you wanted to try? Better to be a solo act than to be a group act. That's the fact of life. Mm-hmm. Even to this day. That's why I, still, I do a lot of solos today. I do one-man shows. I do solo performances with my people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, um, and it is just better. I don't know why people think that groups are somehow, they go to bed, they get up in the morning, they eat together. They, they, groups are human beings, different people, different personalities, mm-hmm. yeah. different needs, different wants. Different hopes and dreams. And you try to, to galvanize that to make one sound, but you can't do that always. And unfortunately, many of the groups that I came up with, they're gone. They're either dead or they're not able to sing anymore. Right, yeah. I was just looking at, uh, I was just watching my, my infomercial that I did for Time Life last night. And, and the platters came up, and I said, oh, my Lord. Every one of them are gone. There is no platters. Mm, yeah. So if you see a group that's called the platters, you're, you're kidding yourself. Right. They're gone. Yeah. They're all gone. All Roby Lynch. Hmm. You know, uh, uh, Zola Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Williams. All, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> and so I look at that, and I'm just sucking my teeth and look, wow, man. <clears throat> Amazing. And I noticed that every time I would look at something... 
I noticed that most of the groups that was on there that I was selling their records, mm -hmm. they're gone. Yeah. So when you see a lot of these little groups around, running around calling themselves this and that, there's only a few. Right. And obviously people don't understand. You get older, just like they do. Right. <laughs> but I think the audience wants to, it wants to, to track time because they feel, well, that was the most important part of my life. Yeah. And unfortunately, we get older too. We get sick, we die, mm -hmm. just like everybody else. Yeah, it's like like you say. Sometimes you'll see a group, and they'll they'll say they're you know say for example the platters or something, and then you see a picture of them, and they all look like they're twenty seven, you know. And obviously, <laughs> they're not twenty. The, the originals weren't aren't twenty seven now. I said, do the math, gosh, You see that? You know something's wrong, right? <laughs> wants to believe if that makes any sense. Yeah, no. Everybody wants to hear that music again. There's a group in uh, Branson. Uh, I mean, every time I, I see the commercial, I want to cry. All this up the platters. Yeah. Now, if you're going to advance the brand, that's okay. But people should know it's a brand. Right. You're using your name, and you're trying to emulate what they, the actual original people created. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, even in my group, it's not the same group. We, we changed so many times over the years, I cannot tell you. <laughs> And the only original material left is Ernest. Mm -hmm. All the rest are gone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's passed away. Tracy Lord passed away. Right. Yeah. So that's reality. You know, um, and I try to be honest. That's why I put that in the book as much as I could. Yeah. So that it was just educate people to look. It's okay. I got a problem with it. I don't even have a problem. If you want to call people doo-wop, just don't call Little Lampy Imperials doo-wop, because we weren't. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Well, it, it's it's a book that people should go out and read because it's it tells rock and roll history, and uh, it's it's uh, just a, 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 a great book to find out what it's really like. And it's not yeah. something that somebody has made up about or they thought happened. I mean, this is you. You're telling the story. Mr. Bill O'Reilly, Fox News, I met him at a Billy Joe concert because I've known Billy for years and I got invited to come see his show. It was like last year um, in New York City at Madison Square Garden. And Mr. O'Reilly was there and we were in the blue room or the green room, call it what you like. But mm -hmm. he, one thing led to that he knew I was. He pointed, oh, you go with I said, yeah. And then my publisher said, about a book that I wrote. And he actually hawked it on his news show. Right. And he read it. And he said, I really suggest that you read this book because it's a history book. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody's different to read it. And they interpret what they see in the book. Some say it's a book of redemption. Some say it's a book of history. Uh, some say, wow, man, you did that when you were a kid? Yeah. So what I try to do there are thousands and thousands of autobiographies out there. And I just, I didn't want to get into that. Oh, I did this and I did that. And I did, I, 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 me, 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 me. Right, yeah. But I wanted people to see, look at the wonderful people that I met. Yeah. And look at the, the ones that were bad. Right. But most of them were great people from Red Fox to Moms Mabel to Sammy Davis. I go on and on. All these people. I, they were in my journey. They were all in my journey, intimately. Yeah. Boy. 
It's just and uh, so when people want to define who I am, they could never do that. You know, this is the reason why I did the book, and this is why I love doing interviews. I want a few people that like doing it because right. I can set the record straight and let people know this is who I really am, not what you perceive. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Who I really am. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I really am honored that you came on the show and talked to us. Uh, but, Anthony, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. And this takes us away from your singing and everything. When you relax and just want to sit back, what do you watch on TV? What are your favorite shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? You know, when I was a kid, oh, my goodness, I could you couldn't get me out of a movie. Oh, I love movies, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's changed. Um, I don't act like a prude or anything. That That's not really who I am. <laughs> but there's something not the same. I came up with the, with, with, with James Cagney, Jimmy Cagney, and, and Humphrey Bogart, and, mm, classics. and Gregory Peck. You know what I mean? Yep. Canada uh, uh, Lee. I do all and on and on. Uh, the great Betty Davis. Um, that those are movies I went to see. Brother Prophet. Um, oh, I go on and on. And so, as you get when you're young, I came up with Disney. In fact, I became such a Disney fan. Even in the book, I talk about how I love Bambi, and mm-hmm. because I love Bambi, I never hunted. Hmm. That was invited to hunt many times. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> and it explains, like, all these different things in the, in the movies that I saw that I loved. And and today, it's, 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 it's this is a different era. Well, once in a while, it comes out some really good ones, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, actually, today, I'm one of these kind of guys go out and see Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, those kind of movies, adventurous movies, uh, Avatar. And th- I love those kind of movies. Yeah. But when I was a kid, we got scared by Frankenstein. Now, you know, by the day standard, that is like nothing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's comedy. That's a comedy movie. Right. Boris Karloff. Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what I used to look at. Now, now sometimes I look at AMC or Turner Classic movies. Yeah. Just to, just to see them again. Sometimes I see something I really like. And my son is like me. He's my business manager. He'll call me, hey, Dad, you see that one on AMC? Oh, that was bad back in the day. And um, <laughs> I just don't, I just, everything today is sensational. It's not based upon stories. It's very rare. Mm-hmm. When you get great writers and great understanding and the movies say something where they have, they have some kind of, uh, uh, how can I put it? Uh, it, 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 it? It affects you to the point where you say, wow, that really helped me, that movie. Right. I understand that. Or, you know, it 
it's just different today. So I don't really look, my wife would say the other day, you know what I like to look at, the History Channel? Yeah. The uh, Military Channel, I think they call it Heroes Channel now. PC, politically correct. <laughs> and, um, and and I look at cable a lot. Yeah. But, but network TV, <laughs> man, I just, it doesn't do it. Doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. You know, I just don't get turned on. So sports, ESPN, that kind of thing, NFL Network. That's what that's what I do today. But as far as music is concerned, I'm the opposite. That's a long story. That's in the book. How does a kid come out of Brooklyn? A little black kid out of Brooklyn, and in the fourth grade project, and loves classical music. Right. Um, yeah, that surprised me. <laughs> yeah. Um. It started with Mrs. Mannix, which, which is my musical teacher in, in elementary school. She's the one that introduced me to it. When all the other kids wanted to go out and play baseball, I kind of liked it. Hmm. You know, and she explained it. And so I got a taste for it. And then as I went up, it got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Strong. And right now, I would like to go to uh, to Italy, to La, La Scala. So, so I love uh, Birdie mm-hmm. and the cheating. Yeah. And I love, I got my favorites. Beethoven is cool. Um, Bob is crazy as a bed bug. <laughs> he wrote some crazy, great music. Debussy, Ravel, on and on and on. Lots of the Domingo, lots of the Domingo, late Pavarotti. Mm hmm. Yeah. Arios, Arias. I love that stuff. I, you know, I mean, I go to operas when I can. So people don't know that. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing I listen to. In the, in the radio, I listen to serious radio, and I, and I listen to seriously Sinatra. Yeah. Idol. Yeah, a lot. Did you ever get to meet him? No, this funny. In the book, it talks about how I got out of a very bad record deal, and it was because of him. Hmm. He, what it was was. Don Costa was his uh, uh, um, arranger and producer at that time. But Don Costa was also my boss with DCP Productions. Don right. Costa Productions and Teddy Randazzo wrote all those wonderful songs, basically. Hurt your back, go down my head, take me back, I miss you. So, you know, outside looking in, he, he wrote all those tunes. And so when I got in, I, I had this very indict, not nice band by the name of Morris Levy, who was the president of Roulette Records in those days, would not give me a release. Mm. And uh, Don Costa wanted to record us. So he made a call to Sinatra. Sinatra made a call to him. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He made his call. Yeah. And I was released. <laughs> wow. I told his daughter, Nancy, that story. She said, I didn't know that story. I said, a lot of people don't. <laughs> those who are still alive. Don Costa's not alive anymore. Teddy's gone. So there's nobody can verify that. Only I can. Yeah. Because why? I was there. You were there. That's right. Jeez. Huh. Well, Anthony, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's a fascinating book, and uh, it, like I said earlier, it's an honor to talk to you. And I, I thank, thank you, you so much. I really appreciate that. You know, like I said, I love to do interviews and they, when they're in-depth. You're very in-depth. You're a good interviewer. Thank you.
A big thank you going out to Little Anthony for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. I hope you enjoyed that one. Be sure to go out and get Little Anthony, My Journey, My Destiny, the story of Little Anthony. A lot of things went on in his life, and it will continue because he's still out there performing, even now. Well... Things have been really crazy. Uh, what have I been doing? Well, of course, uh, I've been missing for about a week and a half here, but <laughs> we're going to finish up Season 8. Uh, I had a chance to work on Shark Tank and do a little uh, something for them, and uh, that was kind of fun. It was interesting to uh, to see all the different people trying to get their products and everything else, so uh, that was fun. And uh, let's see, all sorts of other stuff, a vacation and, and just things, you know, building up. So uh, we've had to take off a, a week and a half here, but uh, we're back and we're going to keep going till the uh, next episode. That's the end of season eight. Then we will be back in September with season nine of On Screen and Beyond. And uh, we've got some great guests coming your way. So I hope you're going to keep listening and be sure to tell a friend. If you got a chance, leave a review on iTunes, if you're on iTunes. And uh, also, somebody's been saying, uh, uh, a couple of people have emailed me and said that iTunes is uh, making it difficult, I guess, to get the older episodes. Uh, I, I've noticed that on different uh, uh, browsers, uh, they show different uh, amounts of our show because, of course, we have all of them posted but uh, different browsers will only show you a certain amount. Some show 50, some show 250, and uh, they want to know where you can find the older episodes of On Screen and Beyond. Well, simple. Go to onscreenandbeyond.com, go to our rerun section, and there you will find every single episode of On Screen and Beyond, 376 and counting, and they're all there. So if you can't get them on iTunes, just go there and you can pick them up. So uh, that's one way to do it. And, of course, uh, you can go to iTunes and get them weekly. You don't even have to uh, uh, go look for them. You can subscribe, and it'll come right back at you every week as soon as we post. The second we post it, boom, you got it. It's there. So that's uh, something you can do. And, of course, if you have a suggestion, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. have had a lot of great suggestions uh, some of them are really tricky ones. I'm going to be <laughs> pulling my hair out trying to get connections with some of these people uh, if I can. But, uh, you know, it, it's always challenging and it's fun. So uh, keep giving me your suggestions and uh, we really appreciate it. And that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Take care.